BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Doing that, I was face-to-face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. I am here 
make sure that we all take just a moment and in whatever way you can, please remember those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms that we enjoy each and every day. To date, 1.3 million servicemen and women have perished while in the service of the United States Armed Forces. They deserve a moment of your reflection. Now, in keeping with the military theme, tonight's guest has carved out his own niche in the world of creepy and paranormal encounters. Tonight, he is here to share with us some of the spookier military encounters he's been entrusted with. Please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Mr. Nick Orton. Nick, welcome to Uncomfortable. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for uh, bringing me onto the show. Uh, hopefully this is not an uncomfortable experience and uh, I actually feel quite comforted so far. Well, good. That's, that's, that is the, uh, that is the, what would you say? The irony of this show. Um, we talk about uncomfortable things. Some guests are uncomfortable. Sometimes guests make me uncomfortable. Hopefully most of what people <laughs> hear on the listening end makes them uncomfortable. But, uh, yeah, we, we strive for a, a, a comfortable conversation here, Nick, awesome. I got to tell you, um, I believe my son is the one that turned me on to your, uh, Instagram page. And I, I at first I was like, wow. Oh, okay. So this, there's a lot of reading here <laughs> and typically I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a big reader, um, just because I have a, a terrible attention span when it comes to reading. Uh, doctors have even said late in life that I had like some kind of late, late blooming of ADHD or something. But, um, y you know, you, you've got some super, super interesting and compelling stories of the paranormal. But they all seem to come from either active or retired military. Yeah, so um, I, uh, I guess I'll go into some background. Is uh, so like with any good story, I had been drinking a couple uh, one night and like had this idea pop in my brain. Like, what if I uh, took you know the angle of getting stories of I, I call them not necessarily. So I found that if I say like paranormal or something like that, it kind of turns people off, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to to create a place that is more comfortable for people to share anonymously uh, their weird stories, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I always call it not normal stories, you know, instead of paranormal. Because okay. you yeah. say paranormal, and some people like instantly kind of like uh, you know turn turn their nose to that. Sure. Uh, so <clears throat> I, I mainly did it because. Uh, just, you know, I, I have always grown up loving like that kind of topic of like the weird and the UFOs, Sasquatch, you know, mysteries, stuff like that. Uh, so I was like, well, let me see if I can find, uh, like an angle I could pursue into this, like the military world. And I always said, just because, you know, typical late night, like, uh, on duty or in the field and you're late and you start talking about nothing, uh, and inevitably something comes up about a weird experience someone's had, um, because we love 
we love talking to keep ourselves awake in the middle of the night. Um, and, uh, you know, what I found like whispered, you know, in the smoke pits or at staff duty desk or in the, in the tents at night where, you know, some people have had like some pretty interesting experiences, uh, that they kept to themselves because, you know, uh, in the regular world, you don't really want, you don't want people to think you're crazy. So that would prevent a lot of people from sharing uh, their experiences in the military world. It's like almost a double effect because um, you don't want people doubting that you could perform your job or if you're not mentally well. And, you know, unfortunately mental health is, it's getting better. Mental health is not exactly, uh, you know, an easy subject for the military. So people don't want to come off as like they're crazy. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, which is, uh, which I can, I can, I'll talk more about later of like some of this, the feedback I get from people. Uh, and so it's not necessarily, uh, like it was, we were discussing, uh, off the air, uh, you know, there's not like there's these gag orders put in place, like you will not talk about this or it's, you know, you know, be quiet. It's, it's probably like, you know, uh, a, a lot of times like a squad leader or a, you know, the leader of that soldier is like, Hey, don't talk about this because people are going to think you're not there. Right. And yeah. That'll jeopardize your, you know, if you want to make a career, they'll jeopardize it. Um, and then even so much more for like, that's like more on the enlisted side. Um, on the like officer side, it's more of a, you don't want to be known as the guy that saw Bigfoot, not because, you know, you saw something you shouldn't have, but like, uh, so there, there's, you know, uh, you saw Bigfoot and that's like going to stick with you. You're not going to be known as the guy that can get, get something done. You're going to be known as the guy that claims he saw Bigfoot. And right. so like yeah. that will, unfortunately due to, you know, just perceptions that will hem you up. So a lot of people keep these things kind of quiet. Uh, and I, I guess I should, I should note, I guess I, I should always say is that uh, none of my views in this podcast reflect the department of defense uh, or any of the branches of military service. Um, I have to say that just because people seem to think that, uh, that's not the case. Like you're, like you're an insider and you're, you're, you're breaking this with some WikiLeaks here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so like everything I'm discussing is not reflective of the DOD and the armed forces. Um, nothing is any sort of official statement by the department of defense or armed forces. Everything I say in this book, or I'm sorry, book, uh, in, in this podcast is my peer views and my views alone, like they don't reflect anything. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, listeners, I'm not a w- WikiLeaks blower. I haven't, unfortunately, come across anything top secret yet, and I don't think I ever will, just because there are places where people do get gag orders, and, you know, uh, they're more common than people think, and uh, it's not even really for malicious things. Um, for example, uh, if you would go to Sears school, the survival escape rescue innovation course, right? Uh, you would sign an NDA there. You're not supposed to discuss any of the training they do there because if people knew about the training they do there, it would hamper the experience and what they're trying to teach you. Right. Um, so if you knew that as soon as you stepped in, like for instance, like you were going to, uh, I don't know get interrogated by this guy who's going to ask you X, Y, and Z. If you go into that scenario, knowing that it's going to completely derail the entire point of the training. So that, that's why like there, there are actually quite a bit of NDAs for stuff like that. And I'm sure at higher levels for certain things there are, uh, but people aren't going to break those because yes, you can hold, be held legally liable for breaking those. Right now you are active military, correct? 
Yes, I am still currently in the active military. I've been in for um, about seven years. Uh, I don't really want to say what branch or what I do, just because I, I myself am also trying to stay anonymous. Sure. And it's not because I think uh, <laughs> I'll be silenced. It's just I think that there, uh, unfortunately, there is a little bit of the, the politics game. And some people, again, like I said earlier, you know, I won't be known as the guy that can get stuff done. I'll be known as like, hey, that guy <laughs> likes all the weird stuff. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Uh, so, but right now, I keep I, I'm kind of keeping it uh, under the table, um, as, and it's also part of like kind of creating that air, uh, the theme of Tales from the Grid Square, which is the name of uh, the little project I do. That uh, I'm anonymous. People talking to me are anonymous. Like we go our like nothing is disclosed. Like you have nothing to lose. I. You know, you put as much detail as you want into there. You know, we both stay anonymous and we, it's just a, a venue for you to tell your story. If that makes sense. Well, Nick, uh, first of all, I want to, uh, I want to stop you real quick and I want to thank you for your service as, as long. Well, thank you for your support as well as, you know, all of our brothers and sisters that are in any of the armed services. Thank you all for your support. Um, that being said, um, you know, I, I stopped using the word coincidences a long time ago. And, you know, I've, I honestly, I thought I reached out to you at one point, um, a good, a good while back. I couldn't find any of those messages. So perhaps I didn't, maybe I was just thinking about it. But when I did have a conversation with my son, who, like I said, got me following your, your stuff. Um, and I reached out to you, um, you know, when you, you, when you said we could do this on a Friday and it was just a couple of days away from Memorial Day, I thought it was at least in, in some odd, uncomfortable way, my, my way of being able to um, do just a little something for Memorial Day. And so I, instead of a Tuesday release, I'm going to release this on Monday on Memorial Day and... Uh, for whatever that's worth, hopefully, hopefully our uh, listeners will enjoy it and think about the the men, men and women who are providing these stories to you and what they go through on a daily basis. So, well, thank you. I think that uh, that's very heartfelt. Um, yeah, Memorial Day is uh, kind of a, a day and weekend that's I think loaded with meeting for a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. Oh, it's a, you know, I always view this, this is a day of remembrance for those that have uh, lost their lives um, and have, who have served. Um, you know, this is, uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys, like, you know, this is a weekend and enjoy your life to the fullest, uh, just like those people probably would have wanted you to, yeah. uh, you know. And uh, it's just like, I just ask the listeners to just take a moment to reflect uh, if you've had someone in the service who has passed away or know someone who has passed away this weekend. You know, that's all I ask. And I think that's that's the most important thing. I mean, anybody who turns on the TV nowadays, uh, especially recently in the past couple of years, uh, there's no denying that uh, this that there are some dumpster fires that are are raging. Uh, <laughs> some would say yeah. out of control throughout this country, um, in in different areas. And you know, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with that, um, but it is still uh, a land of of freedoms 
And I know you're, we're going to have people that are just like, wow, well, we're not free and we're this, you know, that. okay. But you are still better off than you would be in, in a lot of different places in this world. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I think I'm a firm think, believer in that as well. Uh, I've, you know, I have not in the military, like I have traveled all over the world uh, and not a military uh, function before I joined the military. And I've seen uh, how other countries are and live and not, not to say that they're worse than America, but we in America do have uh, a lot of luxuries we take for granted. Yeah. In my opinion. So that's all I'm saying. I think, uh, yes, we have a lot of work to do uh, in a lot oh, of different areas. <laughs> oh, yes. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we could be a lot worse off. So with that being said, I'm not going to get on a – I'm not a political person, so I'm not going to get into that. Um, but tell me, you know, you, you, you talk about the anonymity of, of the people that are providing – the the stories to you and you yourself are uh engaged in keeping yourself anonymous how do people find you how do people get their messages to you and how do you how do you i mean don't give it away if it's a secret but how do you how do you keep how do you keep yourself uh kind of under the radar on this all right so i guess this is a perfect time to plug my instagram page so i uh, predominantly operate on Instagram, uh, you know, at tales from the grid square. So that's at tales underscore from underscore the underscore and then grid square, all one word. Um, I primarily started this, uh, because I, uh, I have found that the Instagram for, uh, social media, like Facebook uh, I just did some research into Facebook is like kind of hard to grow and kind of hard to start. That's more of like a personal nature. But uh, for instance, on Instagram, I, I buy a lot of things from like uh, companies, right? Uh, not companies, but like individual makers, people that create their own brands uh, on Instagram and kind of like function out of that. So it seemed to me like that would be the easier option. And uh, I, uh, I jumped on there and I, so I basically was able to grow the page and spread the word. Uh, primarily through on Instagram, there's, you know, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the term meme. Sure. Yeah. So there's all these military meme, meme pages, right? Everything you can think of. Like if you, there is a, uh, like of course the infantry guys and there's like, you know, everything from like medics to even cooks to like units to companies down to even platoon pages. Um, and I had, linked up with two of these uh, pages or admins, if you will. And uh, in the beginning of COVID and all that and craziness, um, they started doing exactly what I was doing every, every uh, week on Thursdays, they would like, Hey, DM us your stories. And they would repost them on like Instagram's uh, like story feature, which is if you're not familiar, similar to Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, you're on Instagram. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's how we connected. Correct. Um, but, uh, so like from there I saw that this was like, you know, a year before I decided to do this, like how many stories and some of them were pretty creepy. Um, and fast forward a year, uh, I had this idea again, um, to do this. And I decided like, you know, I, I made the page and the concept and I talked to those two, 
uh, meme page admins and they asked, they basically gave me the exposure by sharing through word of mouth. Uh, you know, I would get more followers from them and because I got more followers, I would get stories from that. So I'm always looking to grow the Instagram. I don't really make, I don't make any money off of it. Uh, but it's like, if I get a hundred followers, maybe 10 of those people are going to provide me a story or be willing to send me a story or even like one of those hundred a year later will finally reach out to me and you know, Hey, I, I've inspired, I'm inspired by what you're doing to, you know, send me a story. So I do a lot, everything's like word of mouth. And then of course, uh, I went on Sasquatch Chronicles and Wes Gramer, uh, was kind enough to bring me on and really help me plug my page and it's continued to plug my page. Uh, so I get even more people coming to me that have stories. And, uh, I started off with just doing military and I do, I do do primarily just military. So army, Navy, Marine Corps, uh, air force, coast guard, um, Space Force, I guess technically not. Uh, <laughs> <Those are laughs> I don't have anything from Space Force yet. Those are the ones I'm waiting for. <laughs> yeah, those, I'm sure that one will be interesting. But I also collect stories from uh, reservists and National Guardsmen, uh, nurses, uh, cops, uh, force responders, firefighters, the occasional prison guard. Um, like that's kind of like the criteria of like uniform service, I guess, if that mm, makes sense. Yeah. And I actually even get stories from foreign militaries. So oh, do you uh, really? I have a lot. I do. Yeah. So I have stories from uh, Ireland. I have uh, the Irish army, the British army, the Canadian army, uh, quite a few from the Canadian army, actually. Uh, everything from like stories, secondhand stories from a, a, a man who was in the Portuguese army, like his son or his grandson told me. Uh, the story of the grandfather would tell him when they were, he was in the Portuguese army in Angola or I, I can't remember, it was in Africa somewhere. Um, so I, I had like this pretty big kind of like, I guess, uh, shot group, if you will, of yeah. kind of criteria I go for. But for the most part, I try to aim to post the military kind of theme. I'll, I will post nurses as a thank you to what nurses do and what police do and what firefighters do and first responders do. Not, not quite as many, uh, I have because I haven't really tried to branch out to those communities, but if, if they happen to end up on my doorstep, I, I will share them. Now you've gotten quite a few stories enough. In fact, that you have just recently published your first volume one yes. of a collection of these stories, correct? I have. Yes. So for another shameless plug uh, for my book, I have taken uh, 240 stories uh, that have been collected on the page. And um, what you see on the page is those are like the vulgar, ex- like raw, like exactly how it was sent to me. Like nothing's been edited, nothing's been changed at all. And uh, so what I wanted to do was uh, there's all these stories and you know how uh, social media is nowadays. Like, you know, you can just, my page can disappear at any minute. I do have a backup, uh, but you know, uh, these stories can just vanish like forever. And I thought was like, you know, like these are, these are service members, especially specifically in the book. So in the book there, uh, it's all a hundred percent service members. I think I may have like one from a son of a service member and one from a volunteer that has to deal with like a, uh, a ship, a museum volunteer, but everything else, uh, comes from service members or is related to a service member in some way. Uh, and, I wanted to, I have all these stories in a digital format um, because I guess I'll, I, I'm going to kind of go back and forth here. I'm sorry. You're uh, fine. 
So I, I do the Instagram, right? Like a lot of people want me to do a podcast. And currently, because of my job in the military, unfortunately, I, I just don't have the time to do that right now. Like if I was to create a podcast, it wouldn't be nowhere near as the quality of yours uh, and anyone else. And I'm, I don't want to, if people are going to listen to something I put out, it needs to be in a good quality. Right. Unfortunately, I don't have the time to really sit down and do that right now. So around this time next year, I hope to have like a podcast going um, with like some of this, the stuff I've been doing or a podcast of some type. Oh, awesome. uh, but that's, the insta- that's great. Mm-hmm. The Instagram is the easiest right now. I've, I found to manage and I, I forgot to also mention, I can't leave them out of those who have helped me uh, spread the word of tales from the grid square. Uh, Tony Merkel uh, from the, Conf- the confessionals podcast. Indeed. Huge help. I still talk to him uh, quite a bit. He does share a lot of my stuff and repost things. Uh, so Tony, I know you'll probably be listening to this. Uh, thank you uh, for everything you've done, and thank you, Wes, as well. Um, so let me back on let track. Me, let me do a little shameless plug here. I actually have an episode with Tony that will be coming out, I believe, in the month of June, uh, where he talks to me about all the some of the weird shit that I've gone through in my life. Not all of it, but some of it. So that's exciting for me that uh, Ooh. he'll be uh, he'll be airing that as well. So. Tony's, oh, Tony's a great guy and he, noted. <laughs> he's a great guy. And, uh, the, the one thing that I'm struck by with him is, uh, and, and other people that I've met through him, um, they're all, everybody's under the understanding that there is so much of this stuff out there that there is plenty for everybody. Nobody's trying to cutthroat anybody. Nobody's trying to stand on anybody and keep them down. Everybody's interested in trying to help each other be successful at this and you know, everybody gets a piece of the pie as it were. So yeah, he's, he's, oh, yeah. he's oh. a great dude. Yeah. And like, I, I've seen that too. You've probably seen it. Well, the, it's a, it, some people treat it like it's very cut there. I am here just to literally bring, I, I, my whole goal is I am trying to, in my own weird way, elevate the voices of military and veterans. That is that is uh, my ultimate goal is to just give veterans a, a avenue to voice their stories without like kind of like that fear of reprisal or judgment and in a way that is not typical of um, like most other venues. And, we, I'll and plug we, appreciate, another- we appreciate the avenue that you took because it is right <laughs> up our alley. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, but... Yeah, so like I, I get these people, they either email or they will message me directly on Instagram. And so I've collected, I have, I think on the page somewhere, I think around like I'm, I'm at like 800 posts or something like that. Wow. Not all of those are stories, but a good, I would say 857 posts. I would say a solid uh, 750 of those are definitely are probably around stories um, that I've, I've shared. And um, uh, I, I took 240 of those stories and I put them into volume one of my book, Tales from the Grid Square, available on Amazon. So I will plug that. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and I, uh, I, I edited, I put this all together myself. All the stories are stuff that I've gathered myself from Instagram or Reddit. Uh, I occasionally go on Reddit to uh, ask around the, the various subreddits. Um, everything is edited. Everything I formatted. So the stories in here, I actually have like some more editing value. I haven't changed anything, but what I've done is I've, you know, changed some grammar, uh, corrected grammar, not changed, corrected grammar, increased like some flow and readability. So it's a much better experience. 
Um, and I've kind of like just picked out some of my favorite stories to put in here. So you get to see a wide, wide range of different experiences from the army. I have, I have literally stories from the army all the way to, I have two stories from a gentleman who served in the Russian paratroopers. Um, so it's a good variety. And some of those stories are like cryptids and ghosts and goblins. Some of them are kind of mundane, which I included in there on purpose because even mundane stories, like, it could be like, Hey, I heard my, I heard something walking down the hall. Like, yeah. okay, that's not necessarily the most exciting story, but that's still a story, yep. you know? And that's still weird. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So like my goal, and that was my ultimate goal is like any story you have the most to the, the most mundane to the most freakiest, uh, to be included in tales from the good sweater. You know what? I, uh, two things here. Um, one on the book, um, I sent a, uh, a link to it to my son because he was like a couple of weeks ago, he was like, he ought to write a book. And then we found out you wrote a book. So I sent him the, the link to the Amazon page and his response to me was, that's a badass cover. And it is, it, it very much reminds me of tales from the crypt. Um, it's got a, a, a comic book ish, uh, feel to it, which, takes me back to being a younger guy reading uh tales from the crypt and it's it, it grabs you it's it's a oh yeah oh yes i i uh i definitely love it i will also plug the artist right now um so i herb asherman did an incredible job uh designing this uh, honestly like i kind of like gave him i didn't know expect what to come out and what came out was like incredible uh, I will also plug his, he is on Instagram. If you want to check out his work, um, it is, uh, at S is in Sierra whiskey, Romeo echo, Charlie kilo nine, seven, two. So S rec nine, seven, two. And he's, uh, he's a great artist. He has like a bunch of good work on his page. Definitely. Uh, if you have Instagram, go give him a follow and support him. Definitely. will. the other thing I was going to say is I have spoke with, uh, one of my guests, I want to say the episode was entitled um, Third Time's a Charm. And it is a, a love, lovely young girl down in, uh, what well, young lady, I should say, down in Texas. And she had served over um, Korea, I believe it was. And she had some really odd experiences that we talked about. In fact, the reason the whole thing was called third times charm is that on three different occasions, when she started to try to tell me about the entity that she was having um, issues with in her barracks, we lost phone connection <laughs> dropped. We had a, power outage on a crystal blue, not a cloud in the sky had no weather whatsoever. And I lost power. Then we called, uh, power came back on, continued the recording, but from the point where the power went out, the rest of that recording was uh, corrupted. So I emailed her back and I said, Hey, I'm sorry. I hate to tell you this, but would you mind? Can we pick up from this point and finish, you know, the conversation again? 
so that we could complete the episode. She was very nice about it, and we, we ended up redoing it again about a week later. And as soon as she got to the part where she started talking about this entity from the barracks in Korea, again, we started having all kinds of phone problems and it was, it was bizarre. It really was. It, it really kind of lends itself to something was not happy. That yeah, she, was, I was say. she was talking about this. So I am going to reach out to her after this episode and I am going to put her in touch with you so that you can get her story. Oh, that would be awesome. Thank you. So, all right, my friend, let's get into what you've got for us tonight. All right. So, um, I have, uh, plenty of material to pull from. Uh, so what I'll do is I will probably, I'll read off some stories. So sorry. I, uh, not the, the most, uh, pleasant sounding voice, but this is what I got. Uh, so like I had everything in here. So everything from Marines, uh, to, you know, paranormal, uh, events to cryptids. I know you said, uh, you wanted to hear about cryptids. Uh, so I will, I will pick some stories that are more um, like military based. And I also have stories I forgot to mention too. So if, if you were in the military and you had like an experience, like why you were on leave, Right or like before the military, you got out and had an experience. I will share those still because that's still now veteran experiences and stories. Right. So like I'll have stuff in here. Some of the my some of my more crazy ones are out of uniform. So I'll pick the ones that were from the uniform because that's what you're, you guys are here to listen to. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with this one. Uh, speaking of Korea, uh, so this story takes place in South Korea um, with a soldier who was uh, he didn't put his year in here. Uh, but I was getting to the story. So <clears throat> I was a dismounted infantryman with Archangel Company 172 Armored Regiment in South Korea. This was in 2010. The battalion was at a massive facility in the mountains conducting our second gunnery of the year. One night, it was our turn to conduct a live fire exercise with Bradley IFEs and dismounted infantrymen. The company loaded up into the Bradleys and off we went along, the, along to the range, which was a long valley surrounded by mountains. The valley had four roads parallel to each other running down the entirety of the valley. We set off in unison, the Bradleys engaging targets as they went. Once in the middle of the valley was reached, the ramps went down and the infantry ran out. We ran to the right so we could start traversing the mountain for higher ground, and everything we were doing was under night vision. My squad reached the peak of the first hill, and we took a security halt to get our bearings. I was spaced out watching the tracers of the 25mm cannons fly downrange like lasers. Out of nowhere, a bright and skinny beam of blue light fell from the sky and hit the ground at the end of the valley. I looked up, and it was as if it was coming out of the heavens and hitting the ground. It lasted probably two to three seconds. It disappeared as quickly as it appeared, and it was incredibly weird, but I quickly moved on with the mission. Once the exercise ended, we hiked back down the the mountain and into our Bradleys. The IFVs were parked in the back of the staging area, and the second the ramp dropped down, everybody was talking about that blue beam of light. But then a gunner came running out with a digital camera. He said, guys, look what we saw. And he had taken a picture of the Bradley's gun camera. It was taken with that thermal setting that we, and what we saw was otherworldly. The camera on their Bradley was zoomed out at the maximum. And there was this thing filling the entirety of the screen. According to the gunner and the commander, it was massive. No joke, it looked like a minotaur. It was standing upright on two skinny legs with a massive upper body and what appeared to be the head of a bull. A minotaur is the only description we could give. It was giving off a bright thermal signature as well. 
that was that's literally the only description we could come up with. Minotaur. It was like ten plus dudes surrounding this camera, and that's exactly what we came up with at the end. Minotaur was the agreed shape and size. The funny part is we wanted to shoot it, but we didn't want to get in trouble for shooting outside the left and the right limits. To this day, I wonder exactly what we were looking at. Wow. You know, and that. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's kind of like a wild one. You know, you, you, I mean, he's saying what there were ten guys all together. Everybody saw it. Everybody was confirmed that that it was there. You know, it, it, and this is the thing. You know, with these types of experiences and people that want to talk about this stuff. You know, ninety percent of the people are going to be like, "Yeah, you're full of shit." You know, but. These guys saw what they saw, you know, and, and I don't know, I guess that's what makes us different than that other 90% is, you know, you're, you're open-minded enough to be able to accept that what that person is saying they saw is truly what they believe they saw. Right. And, uh, yeah, I always wonder, uh, what, what he saw. He doesn't even know. He's like, I, He's like, I, I think it was something. It was something solid. It was something tangible. It wasn't like it was a camera mistake. Um, and it's funny enough, a very, in the very beginning, I had another story similar to that, uh, a secondhand story um, from a soldier whose NCO had a similar encounter in Afghanistan uh, where they were on patrol. All of their electronic equipments went out. So their NVGs, their radios, everything died all at once. And so while they're sitting there scrambling, trying to get everything fixed because you know, they're in the middle of Afghanistan and all the equipment they now depend on has now just crapped the bed on them. They see this bright beam of light come down from the sky and it almost like it appears out of nowhere at the very end of it is this uh, long, this figure that they described is a long-limbed humanoid uh, that was standing there watching them in the fire. Um, and as they were watching it... Uh, it, it basically just ran off and as it ran off and vanished over a mountaintop, all their electronics were working. Um, that was the first story I thought of when that gentleman sent me in the story of a, the minotaur he saw. Yeah. There's something, knows? there's something odd about all the electronics and everything going out. Um, I, yes. my son had a recent, uh, experience up in the, uh, in a forested area of the uh, mid Michigan and during the time that he was having this occurrence, um, he had actually called me. He was in a, he was in a rental, uh, Airbnb out in the middle of the Huron Manistee national forest. And he kept seeing ice shine across the, um, across the way from the, the front window of this place. And it was a fairly isolated area. And every time he would call me and there would be a, a, a porch light, that would come on and then go out. But it was not a, it wasn't a motion sensor light. And every time the light would come on, we started to notice that our call would drop and it happened repeatedly. I mean, we went from about eight 30 in the evening till almost midnight with probably 30 phone calls back and forth between the two of us because every time that light would cl click on and flicker and he would see the eye shine across the the way from the the cabin when the light would come on 
his voice would get very mechanical sounding and then the call would drop mm. and it, it got to be, it got to be way too much more than just coincidence yeah that's uh that's creepy Ugh. i uh i always think of um in that case in this other story i mentioned the the idea of uh, the the ghouls or like the long long limbs humanoids that people report seeing mm-hmm. um yeah, I always wonder what they really could be if they're, you know, uh, natural to Earth or they're not or they're demons or or something. But, oh, yeah, that gives me goosebumps. Extra dimensional. <laughs> yeah. Extra Whatever they are. Yeah, that's freaky. Um, and speaking of freaky, I'll, this next story I have is probably one of my favorites. It's probably one of the scariest ones I've posted. Uh, I legitimately thought this was freaky as hell. Uh, so this next story comes from a uh, military policeman in the Marine Corps stationed at Quantico, which is a big mili- Marine Corps training base um, out in Virginia. Uh, pretty much, it's like right between Richmond and Washington, D.C. Awesome Marine Corps museums out there, so I would I will plug that as well. It's a cool place to go see for your viewers if they haven't. Uh, but I'll jump into this story, and... Um, I don't know if you're, I'll get to that part at the end, actually, what I find funny about this story the most. Um, okay, so <clears throat> this is this is the story from a Marine MP. I might not have a super, um, also I forgot to mention a lot of these stories, I, if there's cussing, I routine the cussing, just because it's their words. I have so, no problem with uh, that. If you're, got it, okay, so I'll start this again. Uh, I might not have a super fucked up story, but it's a pretty creepy one if you'll take it. I'm an MP at Quantico, and there's definitely been a couple of fucked up things I've seen on nights patrolling with the West Side. So, so I've been at Quantico for about two years in MP, and for those that don't know about Quantico, it's set up on two sides. A main side, where everything is east of the 95, and appropriately named West Side, where they do TBS and have all the ranges. Uh, TBS is like a, is a basic school for uh, Marine Corps officers. Uh, so on the west side is a pretty damn massive, like I'm talking, it would take two to three hours to drive all around it with these forgotten off-roads and old cemeteries from home, homesteads dotting the landscapes. Plenty of forgotten training areas date back to World War II, and when I was on night shift, I always I always asked to be the roving unit out there because it would give me a chance to scout out places to hunt or fish on my off days. And being the only unit out there and just being left alone, it was pretty nice to, to sham off or skate and just do my own thing over a 10-hour shift. Now, I'm no stranger to the woods or the outdoors or anything. I grew up running around the mountains for quail and deer in Southern California as a kid, and I spent a ton of nights out camping by myself in my teens. So there's really not much out there that in nature freaks me out. One night in about November, when the nights were getting really dark fast, I was done posting Marines out of, out of the gate and headed out to the far-off training area. I had my tree stand and camera set up to take a look, and I just wanted to see if there was anything that had been around. To get out there, you had to drive about 30 minutes up one road and then 15 minutes until you hit a long dirt road that dissects the, the part of the base in half. And in this particular area, the comms would always suck. So you were pretty much out there on your own. I parked my Durango on the offshoot and grabbed my flashlight and started off heading into the creek bottom about a mile or so off the road. I've done this a ton of times, so I got there pretty fast, grabbed the chip out of my trail cam and hopped up in my stand to take a look at it and pass some time. Not even five minutes into flipping through the pictures of uh, some turkey that were hanging around, I hear something human walk through the woods about 30 yards in front of me. Now, this is like the middle of the night on training area, so it's a, is it a lost LT doing light nav? And that isn't really out of the question either. So I thought I'd get a chance to fuck with them, and, or him or her. 
So I close my laptop and turn off my turn off my flashlight and try to see if I could see where they were. I hear it walk closer and closer and stop about 20 yards in front of me. I could make out the outline of what looked like a deer, which was kind of disappointing. So I just stayed to watch my to stay to watch where he was heading. So I went and spooked the deer. All of a sudden, it starts bashing its heads against the tree over and over and over again until its entire skull cap was crushed oh. and it was leaking blood and brain matter. Jesus. Then this fucking thing stood up on its hind legs, turned towards me, and though it was, and it was staring directly at me with its eyes being useless, I heard in the clearest tone I have ever heard in my entire life, I know you're there. Holy my fucking shit. stomach hit the floor. I was too frozen in fear to even draw my pistol. And as quickly as it walked in, it, it got back on all fours and walked away. I waited for about 10 minutes shaking like a damn leaf before I hauled my ass out of there and got back to my patrol car and grabbed my shotgun. I sat in the lit parking lot of the Marine Corps Exchange the rest of the night. It took about a month before I had the balls to go back out there and grab my laptop and shit from there. I went in with a friend who I didn't tell what happened, but I told him to bring his long gun as well. When I got there, I grabbed my stuff and looked towards where I thought it was at, where I thought I saw the deer. The tree was busted with splinters everywhere, and what looked like dried blood and bone was scattered on the ground. Needless to say, I don't go out checking stuff in the middle of the night anymore, and I hunt on the complete opposite side of face. Anytime I need to go out there, I always take my shotgun and condition one now. And I, I told my Navajo grandpa about it, and he said just not to speak about it, and it freaked me the hell out when he said that. I don't even get creeped out easily, but that shit got me fucked up, dude. Like, I don't even go into the woods anymore. Wow. Yeah, that's a creepy one. That So, what's funny is this one, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with 4chan. Uh, somewhat, yeah. Okay, so, I am uh, very well immersed in internet culture and lore and stupidity, right? So, I don't <laughs> go on it anymore, but, so, 4chan has a a section of it called what's called X, right? Um, slash forward slash X forward slash. And in X, they talk about all sorts of paranormal crap and whatever. And some of it is like really schizo. And some of it's kind of fake. Some of it's really ridiculous. Some of it is kind of like if it's, if it's fake, it's very well written and it sounds true. There was a story that was almost exactly like this about a, a guy and his dad. The last time they went hunting, saw a deer bash its brains up against the, the rock and stare at them before walking away on two legs and like I instantly thought of this and the guy had never even heard of that green text before uh but it freaked me the hell out for sure when I read this story wow that's creepy as shit and funny <laughs> enough when I posted this story a bunch of marines who are stationed at Guanaco were like yep the woods are freaky sir like you know the, that place is that place is a, a weird place to work at um, it definitely freaks me out. So like there might be something to it. I don't know. I don't know what would, so there is a disease that causes deers to, to do weird things. I think it's like self-destruction syndrome or something. It basically causes them to more or less be suicidal, but this doesn't even sound like that. And, uh, important to note the gentleman who sent me that story, he said when he heard the, I know you're there. Yeah. It sounded like it was in, it was like in his head. Like if you're wearing headphones, like right. that sensation of the noise is all around you. Uh, definitely, definitely a creepy one. That is very creepy. Now you said that was uh, Quantico's in Virginia, correct? Correct. So um, I'm not, I mean, obviously 
all the states in the U.S. have had some some level of indigenous people live there uh, before we yep. before we took it all away from them. But um, it kind of takes me back to uh, uh, two things in particular. One being a um, the possibility of it being a skinwalker. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then it also takes me back to, <laughs> and and it's so weird that this this woman and this interview keeps coming up time and time again for me. Um, episode five, I entitled dinner with a witch. I, I had dinner with a, a native American witch and that was three hours of my life. That were the strangest three hours I've ever had, but her, her father's side of the family, they could trace the lineage back to chief cornstalk who is the one that placed the curse on Point Pleasant, West Virginia that they think has something to do with the Mothman sightings. <laughs> and he was married to Pocahontas's sister. So I assume that, you know, as far as the area is concerned, Virginia would have had a, a fairly sizable amount of um, indigenous people live there as well. And quite possibly the, the whole skinwalker thing might be a, might be a thing out there as well. Yeah. The skinwalker mythos is hilarious. In fact, like it's a meme at this point in like internet culture. Um, <laughs> the I, I wouldn't worry about it quote is uh, uh, like a meme about skinwalkers um, which I always found it funny like why are skinwalkers so discussed um, to the point it's almost like it's an it, it really is a now a North American household name it is um, it is really I think some of it has to do with you know skinwalker ranch uh, but when you think about skin, yeah. skinwalkers, uh, there's something about the the idea of skinwalkers always kind of takes me anyway um, to the uh, to the west, you know. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily uh, a, an actual thing. I think skinwalkers are are something that are um, synonymous with the indigenous tribes throughout yeah. throughout America, no matter where. I just I think with the skinwalker ranch being out that way i think that my brain immediately says oh that's something that happens out west but possibly not they may be all over the place yeah. but that would freak me the hell out it but, would definitely keep me out of the woods um great story and i got quite got quite a bit of stories of like stuff like that uh that one's the most extreme uh but you know weird people seeing uh here's another one i call this one's called the face right Here's a, since we're on this little this little tangent, yeah. Uh, this is a, this is one of my more recent ones. It's pretty creepy. <clears throat> All right. So I had a strange incident at Fort Knox back in May of 2015. We were conducting M4 qualifications and doing an extra training on the side to pass the time and check the boxes. Eventually, it hit night time, and the LT decided to do a platoon-sized patrol base in the woods for whatever reason. We get our spacing when we have our two-man teams. We're expecting the other platoon to mess with us throughout the night, so we're actually paying attention. On my shift, I catch some movement about 75 meters out. Nothing really distinctive, but I, it caught my attention. I began to scan the area and make sure it was actually the other platoon or just, or just an animal. 
As I started scanning back and forth left to right, I see a very obvious face looking at me where a log in a tree meet. Unnaturally pale, it was, even with the shittiest nods I had, I could tell that. It was an oversized eyes, seemingly too large for its head. No hair that I could tell. If it had ears, I don't remember seeing them. But it had a weird jawline that looked like it was struggling to keep its mouth shut. It kept peeking out, up and down, up and down, looking our way. Finally, my buddy woke up and asked what, what, what it was. Upon hearing his voice, I assume, it froze and looked in our direction. I whispered as quietly as I could to put his nods on and told him where to look. As soon as he did that, this thing booked it, crashing through the brush and both of us, causing both of us to jump. The next day, we debated on saying anything, but trying to tell people you saw a ghoul, ghost, or whatever isn't exactly the easiest to explain. We ultimately decided just to keep it to ourselves and still have no idea what it was. And, and what state was that in? This was in Fort Knox, Kentucky, wow. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly. So that goes, I think, I don't know. Like I, I also have this theory that uh, what we consider skinwalkers and Native American lore aren't exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I do think that there are some, some things out in the woods, like shape-shifting creatures of some type, uh, dogman, you know, these, these pale crawlers. Like they're all related in some way, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and, you know, from the, well, it, they're south of me. So, you know, I guess in the southern states, um, those those pale, hairless, they, they come up a lot. Right. They're freaky, um, freaky humanoid-looking things that are uh, many times described being very, uh, gaunt, very, very frail, you know, long-limbed and uh, malnutritioned-looking. Um, there's, there's one, uh, a friend of my, my son's, I, I forget what town she's from, uh, down in Tennessee, I believe, um, but there's, there's been a story down there for years and years, and her, her uh, grade school teacher had, uh, had witnessed this... Uh, this pale pale long-limbed creature that you know walked upright like a a person and and would scream just this ungodly ungodly scream in the woods and it's it's apparently it's a it's a thing down there and (laughs) yeah i mean you know you you talk about different different creatures and stuff like that you know seeing a uh, a hairy bipedal uh a sasquatch you know a, a bigfoot um you know if it looks like harry and the hendersons or if it looks like patty in the patterson gimlin film you know terrifying of course uh it would surely you know soil my shorts if if one walked out in front of me but there yeah. there is something that is very animal looking about them very natural looking about them even though they're unusual but to see something like that you know gaunt and and malnutrition and and just uh, odd proportions to the the limbs terrifying you know to to the to the point that it would be more i would look at it as something more possibly supernatural yeah um I don't know what they are. All I know is 
I am uh, currently not stationed in the mainland United States, and I'm not looking forward to going back if uh, these things are, are around. That or, I don't know, maybe maybe instead of being scared, next time someone sees them, just, just run one down. We'll see how, how well it can fight or something. <laughs> well, from the people, so the people that I've heard talk about it, um, these, uh, you know, Sasquatch, there are so many people that report, you know, having pulled up a, and once they got the reticle of their scope on it, you know, we're like, this isn't, this isn't going to do anything. Oh, I feel like that could be up for debate. I feel like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the right size caliber and shot placement will, uh, <laughs> bring anything down <laughs> if it's flesh and blood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but also, I don't know. Like, your typical hunter, you know, whether they're out there with a, uh, a 12 gauge shotgun, maybe not, you know, if it's at, if it's yeah. at any distance. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, if, no if you had a 50, at that point, <laughs> if you had a, if you had a 50 caliber, um, yeah, you might, you might have a little bit, uh, a little bit better leg to stand on. I think maybe that's, that's something to look forward to in the future. The, the ideal cryptid hunting firearm. <laughs> But uh, a little segue, a little, uh, a little distracted there. Um, <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> since we're on the topic of skinwalkers, here's another good story um, out there in El Paso, Texas. Uh, so this was the height of Pokemon Go. We had an artillery range about 30 minutes outside of El Paso. A group of us seven were about to head down to the park. A group of us seven decided to head out on some trails near a park. This place was pretty barren. Think New Mexico desert. The group had all, all got flashlights, and one of us brought a, an MVG. We were all walking along, shooting the shit, until our doc, medic, saw a silhouette against the moonlight some 300 meters away on some rocks. He dismissed it as a, coy- a coyote at first. Then the sergeant that tagged along with us told us to kill the lights, and he grabs the MVGs. Just muttered, and then he, as he's looking, he just mutters to himself, what in the actual fuck? The MVG is passed around, and we all have the same reaction. Just sitting there was a pale man with big glowing eyes, a disproportionate body, and a set of antlers beside it. It was so damn unnatural looking. Only about half of the group had a chance to only only about half of the group had a chance until the last guy said, It's staring right back up at us. It's staring right back at us. Oh shit, it's getting up. All those as those words were spoken, all of us bolted back into our government van. The rest of the ride back was eerie and quiet. And we all agreed never to go back up there again or never bring it up. Yep, that desert's a creepy place. Now you said the that they they reported the antlers were sitting beside him? Yeah, so like not on the head, like a pair of deer antlers sitting next to this this figure. Wow. Right? Like very very interesting detail. Yeah. Like, yeah. I d I don't know. There's some Creepy stuff. Um, let's see. You wanted to hear about giants, so yeah, 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 yeah. I am definitely interested. So, every, I, as we were talking about earlier, everybody is familiar with uh, the famous giant of Kandahar that may or may not be real. I, I find some some in, there's some parts of the story that I just don't really find um, like a hundred percent accurate. But I also like I don't know in this in a situation where you kill a giant. Like, would anything be normal? Probably not. Um, okay, let me ask you something real quick here. Based on what you just said, 
there's some some aspects of it you, you don't you're not quite sure of is that from the standpoint of that's just your gut telling you or is it because of how the story has been relayed and your knowledge of military protocol had something yeah, like that, that actually happen that that second one that was just like I feel like just, you know, anything involving special operations, uh, that's a very tight-lipped community, you know. It's like the old adage, uh, you know, the, the age of stolen valor. Like, you can talk to, um, you know, you, you can go look up who was on the special operations, that, you know, the ODA teams, the Green Beret teams in Vietnam. But unfortunately, almost every other so-called Vietnam vet you'll run into will claim they're, you know, a Green Beret. You know, right. There are a lot of fakers out there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like people that kind of have like these preconceived notions that can build stories. Right. And it's just like those communities themselves are extremely tight lipped. Um, uh, just being in the, the military itself and having to work with them before, like they're, they're very like, you know, outsiders, not welcome. Right. Like they're, especially in the army they're in my opinion, from what I've just, from my perspective, uh, they were very like they don't really talk about their business unless it's with other people of their type. If that makes sense, okay. you know. Yeah. Um, or they okay. just know better to like not share that information. Again, going back to what we talked about before we started recording, compartmentalization. Yeah, you wouldn't exactly. you wouldn't find anybody talking about that kind of a topic outside of their compartment. <laughs> yeah. It's just like all the all the stories we hear about the special operations, those are all declassified things that they're allowed to share, like, you know, or they feel like they want to share. Um, there's probably, there are, there's probably countless, 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 like you probably fill thousands of books of, of what they, they've done overseas throughout history in America that's still like either they don't want to share it uh, for whatever reason or it's still considered classified. So, you know, like they're not just going to come out and they also know, like going back to talking about NDAs, you know, like they also can be held liable for breaking out. And, you know, it's happened in the past where somebody talked about something they weren't really supposed to and they got hemmed up for it. And it wasn't necessarily because it was like some, you know, mind blowing WikiLeaks just because they betrayed the trust of the organization, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so that's where I kind of find it funny. Cause if, it, if something like that happens, I don't think we'd ever hear about it. Well, then again, I don't know, like weirder things have been happened and weirder things have been revealed. Uh, so I could be totally wrong on that regards, but it's, so I used to think it was BS. And, uh, as I started this page and I actually spoke to some soldiers, uh, I began to hear some stories that may or may not that won't, well, sorry, not may or may not, that did kind of change my perception on it. Maybe the actual facts of the story itself maybe uh, may not be true, but I do think there's something in Afghanistan. Uh, I do think giants exist. I'll just put that out there, uh, or existed at one point. Well, I, th- um, I think I think you're right on that, and you know, I think all all it takes is a little bit of uh, a little bit of legwork and and some internet savvy, and. Oddly enough, I had a conversation with a, a gentleman last week um, about how sometimes, you know, videos on YouTube uh, that show a certain thing or, you know, about UFOs or Bigfoot or whatever, you know, it, it, it they get a, a lot of views and then all of a sudden you can't find that video anymore. They get taken down or they get lost in the algorithm. So it's, you can't find it anymore. Um, 
I, I think, I think these things are, you know, especially like the UFO stuff. Now the release of the UFO stuff, um, you know, there's actually conversation now in the government and the public about the existence of UFOs, you know, well, shit, we've known about them for 70 years, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and, now, like, and now they're finally telling us about it. So, you know, all you have to do is go back and, and look and, you know, the, the Smithsonian has been uh, yep. instrumental in <laughs> gathering and doing with what they want the bones of skeletons from, yep. you know, the, the late 1800s. There's over 700 different newspaper reports from the late 1900s on through the 1930s, 1940s about these grave sites where large human bones have been found. And, and, they, and hilarious they, enough, all the indigenous people, mostly, well, from what I say, most of indigenous legends in the North America is all talk about exactly. giants that they fought when they first came to the continent. Exactly. And they, they killed them all off. Even uh, the whole native Hawaiians talk about when they came to the island of Hawaii the first time, there was a giant race of fair-skinned, blonde giants that lived here, and they fought them for control of the islands. Yeah, kind of so funny I, to think about that. Yeah, I, I'm 100% convinced that, that giants existed. Um, now, oh, yeah. you know, were, were they 40 feet tall? No, I, I doubt that. You know, 10, 12 foot yeah, tall? I, yeah, yeah, I think so. Because, you know, I'm, I'm about 5 foot 6, and I would be considered tall for ancient times. So, you yeah, know, exactly. uh, I'm a short guy now, but like, you know, a couple thousand years ago, I was I was pretty tall. You You'd, know, have been or Charlemagne. You'd have been an appetizer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or like Charlemagne is a good example from history. Charlemagne, he was called the Great mainly because he was unnaturally tall. He wasn't a giant, but you know, he was I think like six five for a time period when the average male height was about um, like five foot three. Yeah, you know, so like I'm sure, like you said, like yeah, they may not have been forty feet tall, but they were they were pretty big. But let me get into it. So I I have come across two stories, uh, and I kind of, I have heard that there are countless more service members who have similar stories that also just kind of keep it under wraps because if they said they saw a giant bipedal humanoid running around Afghanistan, you know, people think they're crazy, but maybe they're not crazy. So, uh, I will present to you this first story. Uh, and this comes from a drone operator in the service who was on, on duty one night and came across something, interesting on the feed of his Reaper drone. Um, so I'm a sensor operator on the Reaper. Heading up to work and the tasking in the northern part of the country, I was scanning around, doing the thing, looking at the stuff. There were small villages up in the high central mountains that I've scanned probably a dozen times. This one time, though, I found the super small mud huts. They're about three-ish, three maybe four meters tall. At least that's how it looked on the screen. There's a ruler tool that tells you how to, how wide the crosshair is. And I saw these people. And the people were as tall as the crosshair was wide. The mud huts were extremely rudimentary, just like a mound with some holes in it for a door and windows. And the people weren't doing anything crazy. They were just doing people things. 
tending fire, doing chores. I wish I could say they were doing something more exciting, but they were just kind of mobbing around their small clearing, and there were a few goats tied up in a fire that one of them was tending. There are a However, few, I'm sorry, a few what? Goats. Goats. A few goats. Um, it was hard to tell any further details, but they all seemed to wear rugged clothing. I guess it's similar to the Afghan traditional garb from how they moved and how they seemed to be heavily cloaked. However, besides the fact that they were as tall as my reticle was wide, there was one interesting thing that I noticed. All the goats looked like cats next to them. This was mid-wave IR at night, so they all showed up as big, giant, black humanoid heat signatures. Yeah. And I wish I could have had a daytime camera. I always wondered if they had red hair. I only was able to monitor them for 10 minutes before we were, the Reaper was too far away to see them. And this, so, was, this, one was, story. this was taken by a drone, correct? Yeah. Wow. So, and then I have another story uh, about that. This is probably one of my favorite stories. Um, it was sent to me like a long, long time ago. I uh, call this one the Giant of Kunar Province. Um, so I was deployed as an infantry team leader at the Army in the Kunar Province of Afghanistan from 2008 to 2009. One night we set in on an observation patrol to overlook a village that, that we suspected IEDs were coming out of due to the successful IED recovery we had a few weeks prior. My LT gave me a new thermal imaging system called the Recon 3 that none of us were familiar with and told me to figure it out and learn what I can and pass it along to the other team leaders. I started messing around with the Recon 3 to see its capabilities, and I was surprised at the clarity of the images and the clarity of the zoom on it. I spent most of the time messing with the different functionalities watching the village. I started to look across the valley to see what I could see, and that led me to look along a spur that we had set in on, and I saw a very large heat signature at the top of one of the false peaks. I did everything I could to get as clear of an image as I could, and suspecting that it was a group of Taliban huddled together around a light, as they tend to do in the mountains, when all of a sudden this heat signature stood up as one being. The trees in that area grew up to be about 10 to 12 feet tall, and this thing was at least as tall, if not more elevated, than the trees that surrounded it. It started taking steps parallel to my position and was covering ground quickly with ease. Its stride was slow and relaxed, yet it moved with incredible speed. That led me to believe that this creature was actually gigantic. It quickly traversed the, the landscape, and I lost sight of it along the neighboring spur. I did not believe what I saw initially, assuming that I imagined it had been imagined. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I didn't tell many people about it uh, when I was deployed, or even when I left the army. I kept it to myself, thinking that I couldn't have seen what I saw. But then, in 2010, after I got out of the army, I was listening to the coast to coast radio, and I heard the story of the C-130 pilot talking about the similar creature. The memories came flooding back to me, and it also made me consider other things I saw during that time. The C-130 pilot discussed the creature in detail, and he said that it had fire orange hair. And that reminded me of a tradition the locals would do, but they wouldn't speak about at all. They would dye their hair orange and dye the hair of their goats orange as well. It seemed like they, they would do this every once in a while, and then when they would do this, all of a sudden the orange goats would be gone, and the orange, out of, the orange would be out of the hair of the villagers. I didn't put two and two together, assuming it was a weird cultural thing I didn't understand, or maybe an Islamic tradition. But now it makes me wonder if it was some type of gesture to the creature in Nephilim or the goats were sacrificed to it. I am a Christian, and the Bible briefly discusses the Nephilim, a.k.a. the men for now. I think that it was what I saw. I think it was an ancient race of giants that are descendants from fallen angels. Or it could just be a Sasquatch-like creature. I'm not sure. Of course, I only saw it on thermals, and I didn't appear to be hairy. But what, what, like, what you would expect a Sasquatch to be like, it just literally looked like a huge naked man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, kind and, of an interesting one. And and the thing, you know, before you get into that, 
the thing about these things is, you know, I mean, police, EMS, military, Air Force, uh, you know, all any any of these people are trained observers. You know, so for, yeah, do people have imaginations? Of course. You know, could some of these stories be manufactured? There's always that possibility. But, you know, for people who are, are trained and and are able to decipher what they see in real time and make judgments and and decisions that save lives on a regular basis that that's their job you know when you hear that stuff coming from these people it, it really makes me wonder it, it's like you have to you have to give it you have to give it pause and you know be accepting of it I think, uh, I think that's like one of those things, like there are, you have to put two and two together of like where it's being seen and where it's at. Um, and also just like knowing the context, like Afghanistan itself is such a rugged and alien landscape talking to any service member, you know, it, a, lot of, a lot of the misconception, it's like a giant desert. Yeah. Some parts are like that. Uh, but like, it's very, it's very boreal, like, you know, the Pacific Northwest. Um, there's places in Afghanistan that not even like Afghanis go to because they're so unreachable. So like, it's so impossible to get there. Like they don't even bother. Um, I spoke to a gentleman from Afghanistan. He, uh, he's, uh, he lives in Germany now, but, uh, he comes from a, like his family immigrated there at when the war began, but they were, they would tell him all the time. Like, yeah, there's places that, uh, the, even the most remote villagers don't even go to because it's so impossible to get to. Um, and even in just other things like, uh, like, uh, Sasquatch Chronicles had a good episode with another military service member about how, when he was a more, the long short story was he was in a super, a village so remote and so off the grid in Afghanistan that, uh, they thought the ocean was a myth, right? Because they were just like that, that rule, yeah. rural, you know? And, uh, they described what we would consider Sasquatch, like hairy monkey humanoid things. Mm. Um, or, you know, there's, uh, another gentleman remarked that there's a, there's the one, there's a national park in Afghanistan that borders uh, China and it's this remote mountaintop forest, uh, that covers, I think like 40 square miles and soldiers who operated near there were told by the villagers don't go up there. And uh, when they would ask, they would say, well, there's giants up there and they eat people. They'll eat you. So, I don't know. It just makes me wonder. Uh, in places like Afghanistan, you know, that place is so ancient and so wild and untamed. Who knows what's really out there? You used you used the word that was coming to mind that I was going to say, and that word is ancient. And I think yeah. I think these areas that are ancient, I think, have held on to some of these things that are are actually written about and, and described in ancient texts. I don't think it's that I don't think it's that big of a stretch of the imagination to to accept that those things are a possibility to be in existence there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um 
it's definitely definitely a weird world for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, moving on, I will get. Let me pick another story for you. Let All me right. do something different. Right. You want? Let's do something foreign. All right. Uh, so here, here's kind of a creepy one. Um, so Canada has several Canadian Armed Forces base, right? And so uh, one of them is known as Canadian Forces Base Meaford, uh, and also has its own kind of local legend known as Meaford Mary. Um, Meaford Mary is like the typical women in white. Uh, that with blue eyes uh, that somehow can shine. So she's known as blue eyes and she's kind of a legend, right? So it's, it's like kind of like an underground legend that Meaford is haunted Meaford Mary. Um, so this is from a Canadian infantryman. So spooky story time, former Canadian infantryman. You've already got tales of old blue eyes from Meaford, but here's one you haven't had yet. This happened in 2016. And I still remember it clear as day. The base in Meaford is a few kilometers off Highway 26, and I'm driving back onto base one, one night in the middle of February. It's lightly snowing and the roads are slick, so I'm taking it easy. I can see the tracks on the road, and as I'm, as I'm doing my best to stay out of the rhubarb, the snow stops and I get to Ted's Range, Ted's Range Road Diner. As I make the final approach to the base, something appears in front of me. It's right in my lane. It's a woman screaming. She's standing in the center of the lane, pale, uh, pale face, dark clothes, pale hands by her side. I can't hear her, but I can tell she's screaming. I haul on the brakes and swerve and nearly get, go into a ditch, and I hit the ice. I stopped, and I looked in the mirror, but I can't see her. I get turned around, and after a few hundred meters ahead, I go back, concerned this person might be in, in danger. My headlights show, in the, show my fresh tracks, but nothing else. I can see exactly where I tried to stop and swerve, and there's nothing, no footprints in sight. Nothing. Noting the ditch, no deer tracks, not a rabbit or a dog in sight. At that moment, an intense fear comes over me. I throw the truck in gear and I get turned around and drive, drive away, headed back to the shacks. I tell some guys about it, what they saw, and they all laugh it off. I brought up to this old guy at the diner near where it happened a few nights later. I described in detail her pale skin, her wet hair, and the rigid stance as she stood screaming. He listened intently, and he asked if I have ever seen like something like that on the side of the road. Uh, and oh no, I had asked him if he had ever seen like that something like that inside the room. He looked at me and simply whispered, "Don't go looking for trouble, son." Mm. That's a creepy one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that one's a yeah, Woo. creepy. Ugh, I get goosebumps yeah. reading that one. Oh, I wonder that's why. Not exactly I wonder, like. I wonder why the <laughs> image of a woman uh, in, in in similar circumstances like that is so prevalent through. I think it's bait paranormal experience. I think um, I had someone explain something or kind of give a theory that makes sense. It's like he thinks like going back to like talking about skinwalkers and all that, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, he thinks that a lot of the things that people see in the woods aren't skinwalkers. If they just call them that and it's something else, it's something, it's a mimic basically. He yeah. thinks, he thinks that there's, there's these mimics that exist in the world and they prey on humans um, through, you know, various ways. And, got me thinking, like you said, like, why is it always like these, it's always like this on the side of the road or in the forest, like this woman in white, like I need help, please help me come follow me. And sure enough, like most of the stories have some additional legend. Like, you know, if you go follow her, you're going to go to your doom or something like that. Right. So maybe it's, it's, it's bait. Maybe it's something trying to lure you in and get you. Exactly. I don't know. Bait. Trying to, trying to entice you to, to uh to come far enough in that uh you don't make it back out 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely kind of a chilling thought to think about. And uh, what makes it even a little bit more chilling is think about all the people that have fallen prey to that. Yeah. You know, we always hear about missing 411 mm-hmm. or you know, people vanishing without a trace, a trace in the woods. And maybe it's like, you know, you know, I've been out in the woods and I've heard stuff that like made me stop and think there was someone near me or like, you know, um, at one time I was in the woods and this was, uh, in Virginia, uh, in, up in Amelia. And I heard, uh, my voice, my name, I'm sorry, not my voice, my name, Nick get called in the woods. And, I, I stopped and I heard it again and I immediately just turned around and walked right the hell back to my truck. I'm, nope. like, I'm not hunting here today. Nope. nope I'm out. And seeing how this movie ends, I'm not going to check it. Uh, oh, that's, fact, that's I, uh, creepy as hell, dude. Yeah, I was by myself. Uh, there's no other hunters out there. I pulled into the lot uh, when I hiked in and I literally, I heard it the third time and I blasted around in this direction, uh, a shotgun blast. Uh, and I just started hauling ass cause I was, I was like, I've seen how this movie ends and I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna be in that movie. Wow. Yeah. There's definitely some creepy stuff out there and it's, it's a lot of, a lot of this stuff in the, it's funny because like a lot of the stories I read in the page have me uh, reevaluate things that bring back memories that I've experienced like that. Like honestly, in that moment, I kind of forgot about it until like a stories like that similar, you know, of like hearing mimic voices, like, and it got me thinking like, damn, that, that happened to me too. Yeah. And it wasn't like I was, you know, in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Amelia, Virginia is kind of like the middle of nowhere, but you know, there was a, there was a highway, you know, it wasn't remote is what I was getting at. Yeah. So there's, pretty. there's so many parallels and so many similarities that run throughout all of the different high strangeness. You know, oh, yeah. whether you're talking about UFOs or you're talking about Bigfoot experiencers or hauntings and stuff like that, there's so many parallels that I can't help. You know, I used to, years ago, I used to think that they were all separate factions. They were all, they were all individual to themselves. And, and the more I talk to people and the more I look into this, um, I, I can't help but feel that they're they're intertwined in in some way, shape, or form. Not necessarily directly related, but all emanate from possibly you know, like the same sources or the same. I don't even know how to put it into words. They, they just seem they all seem so interconnected. Yeah, right. Like I've always felt that too. Like, is it all just? mass hysteria and we're all just having the same hysterical uh, hallucinations. I mean, maybe, but even, even then, like that's not exactly a comforting uh, reason too, which, you know, it's always something hilarious is to listen to explanations that like are meant to dismiss these things. Like, Oh yeah. We're all just having a mass hallucination. We're like, wait a minute. Like that doesn't alarm you even more. (laughs) thousands of people are hallucinating the same thing. Like, right. What are the implications? What, what, what are the implications of that statement right now? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious. And, and where's the precedent for that? Where, exactly. Where, where's the precedent for thousands of people all experiencing the same thing that was not true. It, it didn't happen. Exactly. Uh, and you know, there's a quote in, I included in my book that I, I got from a soldier 
uh, who sent me a story. And I, I absolutely love it because it's absolutely true. Another <laughs> shameless plug for the book. <laughs> uh, but uh, so he, he had the quote at the, you know, I'm going to just, let me just find it real quick and I'll, I'll read the story. It's short. It's, it's, it's definitely, I'll just read this. Here it is. So it's called The Bog Walker. The Bog Walker is real at JRTC, Fort Polk, Louisiana, for those that don't know. At first glance, I chalked it up to hallucinations under NVGs. Long-armed figures walking through thigh-deep waters like they're cruising a 7-Eleven. Nothing beats the terror we pass off at the moment. Everyone feels it, everyone sees it, and everyone's just like, nah, that was just the Op 4 messing with us. But seeing is believing in hindsight. Anybody that knows, knows. And I love that quote. Nothing beats the terror that we pass off at the moment. It is absolutely true. That yeah, is. That's a great, absolutely true. That's a great statement. Yeah, and I think like that is definitely the theme of this of the book and the page is you know these are all stories that people were like, "There's no way this is real," or like, "This is fake as hell." And then you know they come back and be like, "Well, what if it wasn't?" Yeah. You know, yeah. There's probably an explanation. Maybe sometimes, you know, <clears throat> I love the hallucination cop out. Uh, the most it's not really a cop out but like because you know you you can get uh sleep deprivation right and hallucinate like that's very that's 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 known that's common i've had that happen yes so like question don't you find it funny that multiple people thousands hundreds of millions of people who have been sleep deprived report seeing the same thing shadowy figures right so like like, doesn't that not alarm you more? Like, okay, let's just say, yeah, they are hallucinations, right? Why are we hallucinating the same thing? It makes no sense. Exactly. Right? Or if it does, like, what does that really mean? You know? And so, yeah, there's probably, there are explanations for all these stories and accounts. Um, you know, some of them are probably super simple. Some of them is probably like, yeah, mistaken identity, you are tired, you know, you maybe imagine something that wasn't there. Maybe. But some of them, some of the other ones are like, there really is no good explanation for this. Like, or even if there is, like, it's a very half-baked one, you know? You know, it, um, it, that draws to mind, you know, like, if you pay any attention to any of these uh, paranormal TV shows, you know, uh, the ghost hunters and uh, ghost adventures and stuff like that, you know, a lot of times when they go into a haunted location, they go in with EMF meter and they're looking for high emf due to uh whether it being a a very old uh structure and having old wiring and maybe it's not shielded the way it should be and it high emf can cause um a a litany of of different physical manifestations you know from being dizzy to feeling nauseous to being paranoid to you know seeing things and okay okay well, what if high EMF thins the veil? Yeah, exactly. And what if what if what you're witnessing, what if what you're experiencing while you're in the presence of EMF is real? Exactly. Instead of using it as a tool to debunk, it's possibly a tool that allows the the experience to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I mean, just... here, here's uh, here's my theory. Oh, totally uneducated, 
<laughs> source, I made this up <laughs> in my head. Um, <laughs> uh, but I always felt like, so hallucinations, right? Like uh, sleep deprivation, right? So people say like your senses dull and go down, right? But like, yes, yeah, they probably do go down. But what if, what if there is in high stress situations, you know, the lacking of sleep, like you have to think about it. If our ancestors who were running from saber tooth tigers and stuff like that were sleepy and not sleeping because they were on the hunt or on the run, like how would they survive? Like they had to have kept going. Their instincts had to have carried them through. What if, like you said, like the thinning of the veil occurs and what we're really experiencing is a, a heightened semi sense of a, a heightened sense of some sort. Right, maybe like the quote unquote six eye, right? That the six eye opens up that intuition that 100%. you know, like if I'm 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 exhausted, I'm I haven't slept for seventy two hours, but you know, I know there's a tiger in that bush and if I'll take a step towards it, it's gonna get me, I have to run away. You know. Hundred percent. How I, do you like that extra sensory that, that like clicks on as like a survival, not maybe in everybody, but like maybe that's what it is. You know, that's what I thought. Well, I've made the argument several times in, in previous shows where, whereas like you're talking about back when we had a run from saber tooth tiger tigers and stuff like that, you know, we are so conditioned nowadays to having four walls and a roof above our head and doors that we can lock and windows exactly. that we can latch. What have we lost as far as our senses are concerned? Yeah. What have we lost throughout our um, our evolution to becoming a more civilized, more uh, cultural uh, group. You know, we don't have to sleep with one eye open around the, the firing anymore to worry about whether or not something's going to come into our camp and, and eat one of us. We don't have to have, we don't have to have people sitting, sleeping in, in shifts to make sure that because we live outside and we have nothing around us, that nothing, no predators are going to come in and, and take us. So, you know, our senses, I believe, have been dulled down. Now, you know, I guess you can make the argument, you know, there's fluoride and, you know, yeah. they're, they're contaminating our pineal gland and, and it's calcifying. And I don't disagree with that because it's, it's proven that that, um, that type of stuff does have an effect on us. But going back to the rudimentary man, compared to what we're able to do now with all the camping equipment and all the survival gear that we can go out into the woods with now, we couldn't hold a candle to that version of ourself who had to survive minute to minute living out in the plains with no protection around them. They had to have been much more adept. And most of that was most likely their senses. Oh yeah, no, totally uh, agree. I think, I think humans are much more perceptive than they think. Now, yeah, I do think some of it can be chalked to overactive imagination, hallucination, mistaken. You know, you do. It has been proven you do tend to remember things different than they happened, mm -hmm. but it's still, you know, not does not apply for all occasions, in my opinion. Um, yeah. It's really easy to dismiss something because that's the uncomfortable truth. Is yeah, I always put it like this. Um, like, yeah, we can. I can easily dismiss every single thing that comes across my table. That's too easy. I can, I'm pretty sure I could find across like some type. Every story in my book, I could probably easily dismiss with an explanation, right? 
because that's the easiest answer. So Occam's razor is, you know, the simplest answer. Simplest answer is most often the right one, right? So I think sometimes people get it wrong. Sometimes the the correct answer is the simplest one, and sometimes the simplest answer is that there is no explanation. You and, don't have the answer. And that is the epitome of Occam's razor, because the sim- yeah. the simplest <laughs> description, the simplest explanation for it, is exactly what that person just told you. Exactly. I think the the self proclaimed intellectual fears what they can't ex- they can't they ex- explain away immediately, and I think for a lot of people that does not sit well with them, and so that uncertainty of I may not have the answer here immediately makes people fear what they don't understand, and that's that's fine. I mean, like you know, but I also think it's it's really you can't you have to find the final line. So I, I do consider myself a skeptic, right? Because if I believed every single thing in front of me, you know, and inevitably something in there is fake, right? A right. uh, hundred stories, some of them say, I do a pretty good job because of I, in my opinion, at least I think in my mediocre knowledge of the military from just my experience in my foxhole to, you know, um, my knowledge of internet culture and humor and, you know, creepy pastas and some of these memes sure. uh, that I've been able to like, yeah, no, I've, or no sleep on Reddit. Reddit, no sleep is a big paranormal website, but what they don't, they don't tell you now is Reddit, no sleep originally started off as fan fiction. That was right. the whole point of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm getting, sorry, bounce on not. Anyways, as I was saying is uh, sometimes it's, you know, you have to, approach everything like everything potentially could be fake because if even one story is real then they all have real they all have to be real a good friend of mine said something along the lines of big footprints right same thing he's like you have to consider every single big footprint is fake right because he said if even if even one of those is real then you have to be prepared to accept that they could all be real and i always thought that was a good way to think about it because you know you, that's where you have to find the fine line of what what can be ridiculous and what could be like true. And I unfortunately see a lot of people fall for because it has the the label of their favorite paranormal topic. They assume everything's real, and like you can just read some details and like right, like, like there's this is not even factually correct. Right. You know, right. Uh, there was one I I remember reading a horrible tragedy. Service member was murdered in North Carolina. Um, you know, the, the, I won't go too much in the backstory, but he was more or less murdered while he was camping. Um, oh, and horrible, horrible story. Dismembered everything. And I'll never forget somebody in a Sasquatch group posted the article and basically said along the lines that it was a Sasquatch that killed him because only a Sasquatch can do that. And it's just like, that is <laughs> that's not a ridiculous way to, <laughs> that's like a ridiculous one. That's like a ridiculous way to think. And then like, now like you are so clouded and wanting to be truthful and right. Like you can't even see what the evidence is there, you know? And that, that's why I think like, I just, I have to be cautioned. I, I love this stuff. Don't get me wrong. Love Sasquatch. I want it to be real. I want it. I want ghosts to be real. I want all that stuff to be proven, but like, I can't believe everything is a hundred percent factual. Right. You know, so I, I do do my due diligence on the page to come up with explanations when I talk to people or, you know, like, hey, I kind of try to weed through stuff that may or may not be real um, to do my best. So what, what you as the reader of the page in the book see is, you know, these stories are factually what the, the person believed these factually happened. Right. Like this is what happened to me there. 
you know, and doing the due diligence, I think that that's a responsibility that falls on each of us that decide to tackle this kind of, uh, this kind of topic and, and put it out in our, our various different media outlets as, as we do, you know, mine with podcast yours was, you know, with, with the, uh, the social media stuff. And, uh, I'm still excited for you. I, I love the idea of you starting a podcast. I think it'll do terrifically. Um, but yeah, you have to, you know, there's some shows that, that have guests on and then it, it's almost an ambush, you know, because they, they present a, a line of questioning that is, uh, directly a, attacking what that person is saying that they believe they saw. And, yeah. And, and, and that's and, not, you know, that's not a comfortable mm-hmm. position for somebody to be in, you know, no. and you, I think you have to allow somebody to, sword. Yeah, you, you have to allow somebody the, the opportunity to tell, their, to tell their story. It's my responsibility to ask questions and stem off of some of the things that they've said to go down specific avenues that I think we can uh, address a little bit more. And that gives the listener more information and allows them to make the decision on whether or not they want to accept this as being factual. Yeah. And, you know, I'll give a good example from the page was I would get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of UFO sightings and, you know, I let people tell their story and then I bring it up to them with like, Hey, you saw these lights in the sky. Did you consider that it's Starlink? You know, uh, not a lot of people are aware of like what Starlink is and what it looks like. And for your listeners, it's Elon Musk's uh, satellite to get free internet, uh, worldwide. I, Yep. And at night, it literally shows up. It's like a string of lights in the sky. Yeah. It, it looks it, like a UFO. It is very, very obviously a a long train of individual lights, and it is it is it has a very um, a very distinct uh, appearance. Yeah, and like you said, like I, you know, I have to do my my due diligence to allow that person to tell their story so they they can be heard. And then at that point, like, hey, like, have you considered this? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there are some people like, no, I don't think I saw Skylink, Starlink I, because X, Y, and Z. And like, okay, you didn't see Skylink, Starlink. That's, all, that's fine. You know? Um, but, yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm getting sidetracked here. I should, I should tell some more stories. Yeah, definitely. Get, get back into some stories. And Let's, believe uh, me, I, yeah. I do not mind getting sidetracked on this show. My listeners are, are very well aware that this show goes wherever it goes, and, and it always winds up in a good place. So um, awesome. it, it's, not a, it's not an issue at all. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so this next story is kind of a little against the grain of what we've talked about, but it's still probably one of the more bizarre ones. Um. All right, so this is also, again, from another Reaper operator, uh, Predator operator, drone operator. So the only thing downrange I saw were dudes taking a piss or a shit in the early mornings or in the middle of the night. Never saw anything weird, but one of our dudes recorded some really weird stuff with a Bedouin farmer that was potentially a quadcopter. It didn't make any sense, and we still can't explain it. This happened around the first quarter of 2018 in Syria. We, were all, we always saw these goat farmers in the middle of nowhere. They always had these little huts made of random materials, and they moved every few weeks. This one night, uh, this one night we had a sortie that had no sensor taskings, so we were basically just free to fly around and see what we could see uh, in case we were needed. So we started by watching this farmer walking around his hut. So these farmers usually had motorcycles or mopeds or hiluxes. 
Well, this one farmer hopped on his motorcycle, but the weird thing was he started driving it right towards his goats. This dude was going reasonably fast, like 36 miles an hour, and then suddenly he was flying over his goats. The officer got about 25 seconds of this dude hovering around and flying, but we couldn't make any sense of it. Our Intel, our Intel NCIC thought that maybe he jury-rigged a, a quadcopter out of a motorcycle, and our Intel folks actually submitted the footage to the uh, to the higher ups in an Intel mis- uh, Intel report. But yeah, this farmer was flying over his goats in a homemade quadcopter motorcycle thing, and it didn't make any sense. <laughs> our sniper pods that we get the images from don't have any visual or parallax errors that could produce that. The likelihood of a Bedouin that either has that type of equipment isn't realistic either. And the response we got back from the Intel shop was that they had no idea what it really was. Yeah, so wow. somewhere there is a Bedouin farmer who is the next Tony Stark who, did, is, <laughs> who built exactly. a quadcopter motorcycle. And I looked up, like, quadcopter motorcycle, and there is, it is actually a fairly recent thing, like, not in 2018. So I have no idea what those people saw. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was another, that's a weird one. Um, here's one uh, from a soldier. So a little over a year and a half ago, I had been in my unit only a few months. I was on battalion staff duty, and my NCO was doing barrack checks around 0230. I'm getting really tired. The NCO walks in and says, I'm signing in for, and says, I'm signing in from leave. He signs in and leaves. Uh, my NCO comes back and asks if anything happened while he was gone. I said, a Sergeant Roberts from Bravo Battery signed in. And the look on my NCO's face told me instantly something was wrong. He said, who? And I said, Sergeant Roberts. He was about 5'9", looks like he goes to the gym, a lot of brown hair. My NCO told me he died about a year ago before deployment. He was in a car accident coming back from leave. Oh, Jesus. I felt really uneasy after that, and I even looked up the battalion roster to see if we had a new Sergeant Roberts. I even asked people around from Bravo if they, if they said there was another Sergeant Roberts. But there was only one Sergeant Roberts in that entire battalion, and he was killed a year ago. Wow. Yeah, I. Uh, it's kind of I've, sad and also in its own funny in its own way that the ghost is coming to sign back in from leave. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a that's a weird one. Yeah, Here's a really really short one from Afghanistan. Uh, when I was in Afghanistan, I used to see these weird shapes move uh, moving around when I was on patrol. We called them wraiths because you could barely see them with MVGs, and they just showed up cold on thermal. When we tried to tell others about them, we were attributed to sleep deprivation or stress. But since I've been out, I've heard stories about the locals summoning demons or chin to protect villages. Maybe those stories were true. You get a lot of that of like weird stuff being seen on MVGs, um, like creepy ghosts and stuff like yeah, that. And yeah. MVG, it's funny because MVGs amplify ambient light. Um, right. So I always, I, I don't know how that would work to see Are, something that is see through. Do you, do you know, do those, do NVGs, uh, night vision goggles for those who don't know, mm-hmm. um, are they, are they prone at all to, uh, like any kind of natural artifacts just, just inherently because of the way that they're designed? Yeah, sometimes. Um, and I always thought that too, uh, it, cause like I said, the ambient light, or maybe there's something off with like the tubes or something like that. It can produce like kind of like weird effects. Um, and looking through MVGs, it's not like movies where, like, there's this, like, green scheme. You, you do lose, like, some depth perception and uh, coordination because of the nature of, like, the tubes. Um, but, yeah, like, so what people describe is, like, literally, like, shadows and figures and fakes mo- moving around. Like, not, nothing, like, 
I have seen produced in like artifacts for MVGs. And like I said, it's, it, it, I don't really don't have an explanation for it because MVGs, all they do is they, um, you know, they enhance ambient light. So like, I don't know. I, I still don't really have an idea of how something like that could show up on MVGs or if it's in, unless it's on the infrared spectrum. Yeah. Right. I kind of weird. You've talked about the MVGs quite a bit in, in different stories and it kind of takes me back and I realize the technology is somewhat different, more advanced, but, um, going back to some of these, uh, these ghost shows that, uh, you know, started airing in the early mid nineties, there were times where you would watch one of these episodes and it always seemed to be one of the females. So I don't know if they were, they were aware that this problem was happening and they were doing it for production, production value or what, but you would, they would literally, uh, the night vision cameras that they were using would literally render some of their outerwear almost to the point of not necessarily invisibility, but you could see their, their, their bras or, or their panties through their, their pants when they were in the night vision mode. And I always thought that was such an odd artifact that, you know, why, why would it render a piece yeah, of solid, so weird. a solid clothing almost see-through when in, in regular, in regular lighting conditions and, and, and not in that mode to the naked eye, you can't see through somebody's blue jeans. You can't through, see through somebody's black t-shirt, but yet when in that situation, whether they're filming with the, the night vision, you could literally see the, the women's bras or, you know, it, it was, it was strange. So I, I wonder if those, I wonder if a, a similar, um, a similar occurrence is happening with the, the NVGs <laughs> where it's seen into a spectrum that isn't normally seen by human eyesight, yeah. you know, whether that's a different, frequency or a light or a, a different vibration of you know uh, <laughs> um, a different frequency of vibration or or what but that's that's odd stuff yeah that's that's very interesting i don't know like i i do feel like yeah you're on something with it lets you see into like a spectrum that you know we would otherwise wouldn't see but you know so much uh, so much in our in our in our world as being a, a person a human being a homo sapien is is related to vibration and and different frequencies you know we our our hearing is only uh able to to hear a, a certain from you know from this to that it can't hear beyond that and it can't hear below it and the same thing with yeah. our vision you know our vision is is good for us but we obviously don't have as good a vision as, as some other animals that, that walk this earth. And, you know, there's, there's different frequencies. There's, I, I mean, it kind of makes you wonder, <laughs> you know, you see some of these videos of, of dogs that are standing there looking into a corner of a, um, a corner of a ceiling and, you know, it's barking away. What, what are they seeing? What do they see? <laughs> what dark, terrible things do you see there? Dog? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I wish, I wish we had, I wish we had a, a more consistent 
and more um, predictable avenue to to see into these um, yeah liminal spaces I guess would be a good word yeah I think that's a good a good way to put it um, all right let me let me choose another one here I got quite a few uh, I'm trying to choose some some of the different ones against the grain um, let's see oh here we go this is another good spooky one all right so this was from a British British soldier. So, Helmand, British Army. We were on watch, and the camp was down a valley, so our picket was up on a ridge. We pull our rover up to this old barn or whatever it was, and we had to deal. We had a deal where I, my partner, slept, and I was awake, and vice versa. So, right as I'm about to wake him up and switch over, he uh, something slams into the rover. He bolts up and asks me what the fuck is going on. Tell him we hadn't moved. This was like something rear-ended us. So we get out and see nothing's damaged, and we hear someone kicking on the walls of this building from the inside. It's this old tin thing, so we go up to check. The door is chained up and rusted as hell, and we can't go figure out how to get someone could get in. And that's how we managed to go get the bolt cutter. As we're about to about to three or four, as we call it three or four times, we hear nothing, so we get ready to cut it. And then we hear something whispering, "Don't come in," over and over again. I look at my pal; he nods, and we just leg it out of there. We get back into our base commander, and we tell him we heard something, and we also heard a voice saying, don't come in. We wait until morning, and the EOD, EOD guys come out as well. They cut through a wall, and they find out what they could describe as a slaughterhouse. Bones everywhere, and a mine wired to the door. They disarm it, and we leave. A few days later, I talk to one of our Afghan boys, and he tells me that that place was always off limits. Supposedly, the Russians butchered a village there. I start to think that maybe, just maybe, something was that voice was someone wanting us to find them, but not wanting to die doing the hairs on my neck stand up as I write this. Wow. All right. That was a creepy one. That was creepy. Um, yeah. This, there's like I got all sorts of stuff like this that gets sent to me. Um, I will uh, I will close it out with this last set of stories, right? And this is probably one of my favorite uh, sequential stories. Um, so this these next four stories take place at, up in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, right? Uh, so these, these next stories are seen through actually several soldiers, pretty much three of them were on the same night. One of them was the night before. Um, I will read through this and, uh, I will, I will, I will let, we'll read through the end and, uh, like, like to hear what you think. All right. Okay. All right. So this is from eyewitness number one, or I'm going to go. Yeah. This is from eyewitness number one. <clears throat> Well, I wasn't in uh, 1st Battalion, 502nd Brigade. I was in the, the Cavalry Squadron during, uh, in 2nd second, second Brigade. During our battalion, uh, our, sorry, our Brigade FTX, so like a big brigade level, it's like, that's like a big training event. In November of 2017, we were conducting an area recon one and a half kilometers southwest of the town of Cassidy in the training area. It was, about, it was around 2 in the morning. We were awaiting for further orders as we had just reached our line of advance. While sitting in the TC position of a truck monitoring the comms, a presence began to emanate two meters in front of our truck. And by presence, I mean a literal black mass. It was darker than the surrounding nighttime environment on a cloudy night with no illumination. It was a black mass that was undetectable by MVG or thermal and was only visible to our naked eyes. While my gutter couldn't catch anything on MVG or thermal, everybody felt and saw this presence staring at us with our own eyes. This presence vanished after about 30 seconds. And while I never felt threatened by it, uh, I never felt that the soldiers were the baddest thing stomping around in the back 40 of Fort Campbell after that. Ooh. So, 
So that's account, that's encounter number one. And so now we're going to get into encounter number two. So this is the next night. All right. I'm stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. The training area we have is called the Back 40. Thousands of acres of ranges and training sites. My story takes place in the back in the back 40 in a makeshift town called Cassidy. It's located in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by forest and thick underbrush. And at the time, it was mid-July, so everything is in full bloom. My company was conducting a two-week field problem in this area, and after we had secured this town, my platoon was tasked with pulling a blocking position about 100 meters into the wood line from this town. So this is like day 12 of a two-week field problem. I'm located on the far right of our blocking position with my squad. I'm a squad leader of my infantry platoon, and we dig into our fighting positions. I'm located about 10 to 15 meters from my, my soldiers with my back up against the tree. Darkness sets in in the back 40, and the guys are tired. My team leaders are doing their checks to make sure everyone's awake. Hours go by, and I didn't keep track of the time, but I had to guess it was around midnight. There's no moon. The only thing you could see to our rear was the town of Cassidy. My alpha team leader is laying with his team on the line, and we're pulling a 50-50 security detail. So one man is up, and the other man's asleep. My Bravo team leader is, is sleeping next to me, and our radio man, RCO, is walking back and forth behind us, bouncing between squads and other positions. So every 20 to 30 minutes, I hear him walking by, and eventually he comes up to me and says, Hey, Sergeant, you good on batteries? And I'm like, Yeah, dude, I'm good. So I, he does this so much, and I basically am used to him moving around. Uh, not even thinking about it, I hear something moving behind me, and I ignore it. But then the movement gets closer and closer and a lot slower. I look over my shoulder and say, what the fuck are you doing, expecting to see my RTO? And that's when I saw whatever it was in mid-crouch pose, about 20 meters from me, making a low, subtle growling noise, like a wolf or a dog. I froze, and the hair on the back of my neck stood up, and my heart started to race. Whatever this thing was, did at least five feet tall, crouched, and it was slinking lower and lower to the ground like to, as if it was getting ready to pounce. Paralyzed with confusion and fear, I watched for another 10 to 12 seconds, and I reached for, it grabbed my e-tool, basically a small shovel, and not taking my eyes off this thing while I'm looking at it. I quickly flipped my, my night vision goggles down, and as I did, the creature ran in diagonal line from me as fast as it could. And when I say fast, it was moving at a low stance. I flipped my, my uh, MVGs into a thermal setting, and I saw the outline of the thing running. Everyone around me heard it as it was crashing through the woods, and it ran too fast to be a man and too big to be a deer. It was as it was too big to be a deer as it was running on two feet. Later that night, I saw another squad leader. He told me he heard that he heard that loud, deep sniffing noises from coming near his position. His soldiers were saying that they smelled what appeared to resemble a wet dog. Before night is when we all began to hear this loud, guttural sound after the coyotes were howling. They were prominent in the area, and you could always hear them, except that after the howls or, this, or loud noises, they would all stop instantaneously, and this guttural growl yell would occur. I had always heard stories in my platoon, never, and, and I had always heard stories and never believed it, as well as others in my platoon. After this encounter, we all agreed that, that we are not alone out there at night, and something is lurking out there. It was canine by the look of it, and it was dark, but I don't want to speculate or give a false tale, but the face was elongated like a snout, and from what I could see, I grew up, and from what I can see, I grew up playing in the woods and camping and hunting, and I've never seen or heard anything like that. So this is encounter number two. I was in 1502. Our company had just taken Cassidy after a five-day FTX. Naturally, we had pushed into the wood line to get up a defensive line and potential follow-on attacks. So naturally, as soon as we break into the woods, the line starts pissing on us rain. At this point, the dudes are spent and annoyed, and, and got, we got pushed out, and it's a typical, it's always our platoon kind of deal. Our company had just taken Cassidy after about five days, and so we were all exhausted. We set in on the perimeter to our left and in the ditch running perpendicular to Cassidy. 
Paralleling our sector, the squad leader and I, myself, are co-located with the gunner and his assistant gunner. As we lay in the defense and run out of fucks to give, uh, we end up just leaning back on some trees inside waiting for the index or the change of mission. While smoking and joking, minus the smoking, since our cigarettes are all smoggy, uh, soggy at this point, up walks the platoon RTO to swap out some batteries. We notice him early due to the leaves and twigs and the sound of his 140 pounds slowly walking towards us, so not to trip or catch on a thorny vine. He makes the swap and walks off. After about 23 minutes pass, we hear the same weighted footsteps approaching. None of us, though, had our nods down or on. Assuming it was the RTO again, we just waited for him to say something. After a moment of awkward silence, we go, Yo, what are you doing? And there's no response. And then from behind us, we hear heavy sniffing sounds. It sounded like a dog trying to, or a hound trying to find something. The sounds seemed to come from a few meters behind my squad leader on my right. We sit and listen, trying to figure out what it was for just a moment. Then immediately the sound of leaves cracking and towards us, and from behind this heavy sniffing between me and the assistant gunner catch our attention. We immediately both drop our nods and flip around to see what it was. After at, at that point, we hear the source of the sound about a barrel into barrel into the ditch on our right and speed down deeper into the wood line. All of us sat there dumbfounded about what just happened and concluded it had to be too heavy to be a coyote. It sounded more like a sprinting on two legs rather than four, and so we ruled out a hog or a skunk or whatever else. So we, we concluded it was the dog man. I'll note that we are all aware, aware of the talk of the dog man in the back 40 or in the land between the lakes area. The funny thing was our first sergeant is super into the lore. I guess you could call it that. We mentioned it to him and he got this huge backstory back from him. He mentioned stuff about the natives being pushed off the land between the lakes and cursing it or some crazy sounding shit. So that gentleman was in the same area as the last encounter. Yeah. And the last eyewitness. And this is the final eyewitness, same night. All right. There's rumors and superstitions among the infantry about skinwalkers and old Native American spirits. The trail of tears, tears runs through the base, and there are, are tons of unmarked graves that the Army has ignored or intentionally left due oh to the lack my. of funding. Really? But anyways, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking into this, but apparently that is the case. Is the, the trail of tears did go through Fort Campbell. Oh, wow. Um. One night during a four-week training density in the back 40 of Campbell, a bud and I are pulling guard on a road on our MBGs. We're laying down on the side, and there's a storm drain pipe running along the side the side of the road horizontally about a couple feet to our 7 o'clock. It's dark, light drizzle, and about 2 in the morning, and I'm watching the road one way, and my buddy is watching the other way for the enemy. The next thing I know, my buddy is rolling around, hopping and hollering about something touching me. It grabbed me, bro. Holy fucking shit. It tried to pull me to the drain. Not exactly sure what's going on. I peeked my head to look into the, the storm drain. All I heard was grunting like a boar. Distant, but the sound of human feet slapping the concrete as it ran away. I stepped back from that drain and aimed my MVGs across the street to the exit of the drain pipe while my buddy walked away. What I saw standing there across the road in the tree line, 75 meters away looking at us, was the only thing I could describe as a legit dog man. It was 8 to 9 feet tall with the head of a canine and the body of a wolf standing on hind legs. Broad soldiers and shoulders, but I couldn't tell, tell if it was hairy or dark leathery skin. But I could see ears, pointing and large, almost elvish-like. Upon seeing it, I yelled and let off a burst of my sim, sim rounds. Not going to lie, it scared the complete shit out of me. The dogman turned and disappeared into the woods, knocking down trees as it turned. On all four, as it turned into all fours and started running away. It snapped several smaller trees in half as it ran. Six to seven nights after the incident, I was behind my company and the company RTO under nods again, wa walking through the thickest shit you have ever seen in your life. I mean, thorn bushes 10 feet tall and thicker than concrete. 
the whole company gets separated. And I remember hearing it howl between the platoons so much so that the CEO called up on the net to ask what was going on. No way it was a normal animal as it moved through the brush like that. It was shit was freaky. Some of us later were called into our first sergeant's office and we retold the story. He basically said to keep it to ourselves and never say anything about it to anyone again. It tore my buddy's uniform up and dragged him pretty bad. I still think about it often and I can still see the eyes. What stood out most to me was the eyes. When I looked at it under nods, the eyes were glowing. So those are all those soldiers all saw the same thing on one night or two nights technically. Jesus. Yeah, right. You know, very so, uh, very freaky. Yeah, so here's the thing about Dogman. I, I have I have a listener who is uh, really good about um, keeping in touch with me uh, on various episodes and always has, you know, words of encouragement and, you know, congratulations, great show, blah, blah, blah. He's from down in Texas, and he always, always is, is prodding me about Dogman, Dogman, Dogman. And, you know, there's, there's some... You know, I, I lived in Michigan for, for some time, and now I live just like 10 feet outside of Michigan. And in the early 80s, I believe it was, you know, Dogman in Michigan became kind of a prominent thing. And uh, I've always I've always thought, you know, it, it's, it's got to be a misidentification. Um, you know, it's easier for me to believe in... Uh, Sasquatch, Bigfoot. Um, to me, Dogman seems so much more sinister. So much more. It would, to me, for whatever reason, it feels like it would be uh, something that's that's more related with the supernatural. And being that being supernatural would most most evidently be uh, not in in the good not in the good kind, not like a friendly, Hey, how you doing? I'm a ghost, you know, um, yeah. something much more nefarious. And, uh, it, I mean, the idea behind it just scares the absolute shit out of me. You know, it, it dog man. It, I, yeah. It's, it's, he, he, this, this listener, um, Kim down in, I, I believe El Paso, he's going to be thrilled to hear the, the end of this because, He's, he's all about Dogman, and you know there's several shows out there that deal with nothing but Dogman reports, and um, you know, it, it, is it a are, are werewolves really a thing? You know, I mean, is, is that a is that a remnant of you know what we understand as being werewolves, or is that something that's leftover mythology, or um, not mythology, but leftover from uh, Native American beliefs? Is that something that's manifested from from their spiritual realm and, and the way they look at their spirits? Um, man, yeah, glowing eyes, pointy ears, a snout. Yeah. Oof, man. It's very fire. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be happy to see a Sasquatch any day of the week. Uh, not so much for a dog man, I don't think. Uh, I don't think that would be a... a <laughs> I don't think that would be something I could come back from very easily. But again, yeah, you know, that's... we're talking about people who are trained observers. We're talking about people who work under high levels of stress. And even in, in this situation where they're just doing training, they still have to be on their game because they have people that are, are, are testing them and watching them and making sure that they're doing the things that they need to be doing. So when they get into a real world tasking, 
they'll be able to perform at that level. So what are we left to mm-hmm. believe? Are, are all four of these guys full of shit? Yeah, I think there's definitely something. And so funny backstory, I talked to more soldiers. Some of, Most of them not enough to give me details to make a full story, but uh, it's apparently common knowledge that the training area at Fort Campbell's haunted as hell um, because of the Trail of Tears. People have seen, if not dogman, ghosts, uh, apparitions, uh, people, pe- but people did tell me they feel like Fort, at Fort Campbell in those woods, they feel like something is always watching them. Like uh, there's something there. They hear the howling. They hear the sniffing. They smell the wet dog. Um, and maybe, maybe it is cursed, and that's part of the curse. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an angle I'm looking into for sure. I think that there's uh, from what they told me, like their first sergeant told them to be quiet because. So technically, in a field problem, if they discharge your weapon without like reason to, it, it can doesn't it doesn't doesn't reflect good on you. So like you can get in serious trouble for that. Yeah. So that's why they were being questioned, and the guy had said it after when I talked to him after I posted the story that uh, the first sergeant when they told him about the dog man, it was literally like, all right, like I I understand it, I understand what happened, like, but don't talk about this anymore. No, uh, and it, it could be it could. Mm-hmm. In one of those, in one of the stories, I don't know if it was the second or the third one, you you made reference to uh, he discharged a sin round. Yeah, so like blinks. Um, okay, that, that's so, what I was. Uh, yeah. So just it was a noise. Blank. Yeah, it just made noise. Yeah. Did nothing. Um, but you know that that's still like kind of a big no no, and I'm sure it was kind of like there. Was, it could have been one way, like different. There's different aspects that could have been like. You know, his first sergeant was trying to, like, wipe it under the table so they didn't get in trouble or, you know, bring attention to themselves, or he could have known there's something there. Yeah. Uh, all the soldiers I talked to do believe that some of the higher-ups know what's out there uh, or know there is something going on in the woods. Um, maybe not maliciously, but they, they acknowledge that there's something out there, if that makes sense. Now, it just out of curiosity, you know, like that that kind of an area, like the, the, where they're out training, would there be, uh, would there be sensors out there? Would there be, um, video cameras and, and, and different, uh, types of recording devices that would be, uh, placed out there to, to capture the, um, the movements and the activities of the gentlemen that are out there doing their training? Um, no, honestly, no, it's, it, it would, it's literally just giant, nothing woodland in the middle of nowhere. Um, military doesn't have that much money. Uh, some places, uh, will have like, what's it called? Um, sometimes you will have like a GPS tracker on you to track your movement. Uh, uh if that makes sense. Uh, th- those aren't as quite as common. Most of the time it's just, you're out there. There's like coaches, observer coaches, if that makes sense. Gotcha. That like kind of like push the training along and keep it on track. But other than that, yeah, there's really nothing modern. You're out there unless they have a drone up that's following you. Yeah. So Nick, great, yes. great stuff, man. Really. Um, I love what you're doing. It, you, you found a niche that is, uh, uh, completely yours unto your own. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's great stuff. Um, you, you've sold me on the paperback. Um, I'll be buying two because I'm going to end up getting one for my son as well, unless he's already ordered one. Yeah. I, I love the stuff that you're doing it adds some credibility to these kind of encounters when you start hearing them 
from people that are in a position that are, they're placed in a position to create safety for the people that they protect. Yeah. And I think it's, it, it really, I, I hope that this project will, um, kind of bridge that gap between people who serve and people who don't serve to see like, you know, this is something we all can relate on. We all like spooky stories. We all like to talk about this stuff. And I think that this is like one of those good ways for people to like connect over this and like share, share experiences and like mesh, if that makes sense. It does. Absolutely. And, and I want to thank you for, for doing this with me because you're giving me a chance to, uh, in, in some small form, give back to, um, at least letting people understand that I, I recognize the importance of Memorial day and, and I, I know what it stands for. And, and, uh, you know, in my own little way with the, the paranormal and the weird, it's still my way of, uh, acknowledging, all of those who have served and are serving our country. No, I thank you. And, you know, I uh, thank you for the support that you, you give. And, you know, honestly, it uh, can be a thankless job sometimes. And just, you know, it's on, I, it's, I still, you know, don't know exactly how to respond sometimes when someone says, thank you for your service. Cause, because, you know, it's not something I expect to hear uh, when I'm, when I'm in. Um, so thank you for your support. One more time for all the listeners, please let them know where they can find your awesome, your stuff. Let them know where they can get your book and plug anything else you got going on. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram. Primarily I have a Facebook, but I'm not very active on it. Um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, tales from the grid square. And so that is, uh, T A L E S underscore. Uh, from F R O M underscore the underscore uh, grid square G R I D S Q U A R E all one word. Um, so you can find my Instagram. Uh, please drop in, give a follow, uh, check out some of the stories that are on there. Uh, you could additionally see the book that I have released, Volume One. I am working on Volume Two and another, a potentially Volume Three that I can release next year. Um, as I'm slowly going through and collecting and compiling. But volume one of Tales from the Grid Square is also available on Amazon right now uh, for mainly in the US. Uh, it's available, if you go search for it, I will say, uh, unless you go to the page and find a link because it's so new and it's kind of like a minor book, if you search for it, for it on Amazon, you may not see it right away. Uh, so what you need to do is you have to search for the name Tales from the Grid Square and then go filter by all books. And when you filter by all books, I should show up uh, just because I'm so new, unfortunately, I wish I could say something cool. Like they're, you know, they're trying to, uh, what's it called, censor me and prevent the word <laughs> from getting out. But it's because I have a self-published book, and you know, I have I have a fairly low uh, buying, I guess, the buying number so far that like you have to kind of filter the search by books or go to the Kindle store directly. You'll see it, but it's available on paperback, uh, 240 pages. I know 240 stories and about approximately 242 pages. So I made sure to jam pack it with some good stories for people to enjoy. Uh, if nothing less, it makes for great toilet reading uh, or a great <laughs> book to read at the beach. Uh, that's funny. Um, but yes. So yeah, it is very, very new. What publication date was uh, May 5th, right? 
Yes, uh, so. actually, yeah. When you come to think about it, yeah, it was not even been a month. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, hopefully, we'll get some activity on the uh, on the Amazon site and get some books sold for you. Uh, can't wait to get I appreciate mine. that. Can't wait to get mine. Uh, everything that we talked about here tonight. Uh, if it's not in that book, and it's uh, and those stories are indicative of what is in the book, uh, it's going to be a great read. So, Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know you're a busy man, and uh, I, I truly appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking with you. No, thank you for having me on the show. I've I've really enjoyed it. I always appreciate it to be on a podcast. It means a lot. Well, you did a great job. So, for now, my friends. Stay uncomfortable. We'll see you next week. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable.